Welcome to Terminal Talk, a podcast on mainframe and mainframe-related topics. I'm Frank, and today I'm here with Bill O'Farrell, who is the team lead, development team lead, sorry, for the Go language, and James Tang, who is the product manager for Go and Java. But that is that right, you guys? No, that's right. Yep. Okay, yep. good. Exactly I want to make sure I say it right because. I don't want to be inaccurate. So let me start with the with the first basic question. We already have Assembler and COBOL on the platform. Do we really need Go? So uh, maybe, James, you want to tackle that one? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um, for sure. Um, I, I, I think the, the major um, the difference is uh, that Go has a huge talent pool. Like, there's a lot of, lot of developers who really know go right out of right out of school right they graduate and they already know um and uh not not so much so with traditional languages that are already that are on the platform um there's tremendous um uh backing for the the go language itself uh by, by google and as well as a huge um open community surrounding it like so the ecosystem is 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 quite significant um, and also, there's a lot of freebies, so to speak, right? There's <laughs> there yes. are a lot of existing Go packages that you can just grab there's and use, and that's, that's thousands of them, exactly. Yeah, thousands of and, existing packages, and yeah. uh, you know they are available for programmers. So these days, you know, if I were to sit down to write an application in uh, in the Go language. I wouldn't, you know, basically be starting from scratch and thinking through all of the data structures I'd have to construct. It's almost like a, a form of orchestration where I find all of the existing packages that are in open source land and I import them um, and and start to use them right away. For example, um, constructing something like a RESTful server in Go is really just a matter of a few lines of code because all of the infrastructure is already available in, in open source. So that's one of the advantages of, of a language like Go, which is new and open source. And it makes it very attractive uh, as, a, as a development uh, platform, especially for, as, as James said, the newer programmers are, are used to this mode of, of construction of programs where you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. You basically see what's out there, see what you can use, and piece things together. Is is there a package manager? Like, you know, in Python, I can I do a pip and, and kind of pull down a bunch of things. Is there something like that for Go? It's a, not a separate entity. It basically Go, the Go language itself handles all of that automatically. So, um, there's a concept called modules. So when you construct a module, and let's say you upload it to, to, to GitHub, then in your program, all you have to do in order to use it is you, you have an import statement. You say import, and then it would be uh, you know, github.com slash uh, subdirectory slash name of module. So you just do the import, and Go takes care of uh, you know, finding it downloading it and, and verifying it. So it's all, you know, controlled by uh, um, encryption keys, et cetera. So you're getting the right stuff. Uh, so yeah, we don't need a separate package manager because it's fully integrated. So in, in that model, I, I, I kind of have to have a, an internet connection um, for, for my system to, 
to run. Do you do you see that as kind of a problem for for some of our clients who are or, or most likely have their Z firewalled off or, or how? Well, you know that that's actually a really really good question. So, um, you know, obviously the, the language was designed with uh, internet in mind, but if you are firewalled, there is a mechanism available, and we actually document this. Uh, for users who have this issue, it's possible to separately download the packages. In fact, Go has a mechanism where it could just list all the dependencies you need, and it, and you can do this on you know you can do the uh, obtaining of the dependencies on a platform that has internet access. You can package them up and just you know take them over to your fire firewalled system. You can you know walk it over with a USB key or whatever you want to do, whatever mechanism you have to to get that stuff over to that system, and then you can tell Go. You basically say, "Okay, Go, point to where the stuff is, get it from here," because okay. the internet's not available here, and that works fine. Yeah, yeah I think Bill, we've actually created a demo on this one. Part of the demo was like, if you don't have internet access, you can just get this package and then specify it. As an import, it's not an import statement. Yes, is it? that's right. But it, it is, yeah. So we have a demonstration of this actually out posted on our product page. Just a side plug here. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, we'll have to make sure that we put a link to that in the in the notes, right? So. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, what about? Are there issues with like big Indian, little Indian normally in this case? Or oh, that's a, you also you got some really good questions. So. <laughs> <laughs> so in in traditional languages, um, and I'll you know mention C as an example, uh, the big Indian little Indian uh, problem is typically very large. So I've spent a lot of time porting C applications from from x86 to uh, to Z. You know this is a you know. A, a past history, not not currently, but in, in the past I've done this. And it's a bit of a nightmare because uh, when when people are programming in C on the x86 platforms, you know, they don't think about it. They're not thinking about word order. They're just saying, oh, I need the lowest order byte. So they directly address it. They don't go through any, you know, steps to ensure that that works even on a big Indian machine. Whereas Go is actually developed with Indian neutrality in mind. So... I, I can honestly say in all of the dozens of applications that I've ported to Go, I have never once had to deal with an Indian problem, even though 99% of the ones I'm porting come from uh, x86 world, right? So that's built into the language, and it's one of the great features of it. So, so you know that the next question is, well, what about ASCII Epsidic, right? Okay, <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, you've got the good ones today. Okay, so, <laughs> so, so Go understands Unicode only. And you could think of ASCII as basically uh, as, as the, you know, lingua franca, but, you know, it does handle uh, uh, for, foreign character sets, et cetera. Uh, it does not directly handle EBCDIC. However, uh, we have uh, you know, available to the, the user the conversion routines. You can convert to and from EBCDIC. And you can rely on, in many cases, the auto conversion that's available in ZOS. So there are, you know, occasionally things you have to think about when, you're, when your data is in EBCDIC and you want to use it in, in uh, Go. 
and it does require a conversion, but we've tried to make that as easy as possible. So it's not a huge concern. Well, I mean, but you've, you've handled to me the most important components, right? So I also in, in a past life have done, uh, porting from, uh, x86 to, to Z and, and I would say, you know, porting that code is the equivalent of throwing a bowling ball up in the air and catching it with your teeth. So, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, so that, so this sounds pretty straightforward, right? I, um, I, I just, I just bring it in and it works. So that's, that's pretty awesome. Well, to level set the situation, uh, when you have, uh, a, um, a module that you want to use that somebody else wrote. They wrote it on a different platform. And by the way, Go is available on literally dozens of different combinations of operating system and uh, and uh, hardware platform. Okay, so uh, if you name, you know, if you have, I don't think it works on like uh, Atari or something. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know. I wouldn't be surprised if it did, because all you know it works on some architectures that have been obsolete for decades. Okay, uh, but nonetheless, just because someone was interested in that and they, they did it, um, but um, <clears throat> you know the vast majority of of the development occurs on on Linux and on x86. Now I mentioned there's no problem with the endianness, right? Um, the uh, the little, the little sort of uh, thing I have to mention for truth in advertising is that <laughs> on, on, on individual files, you can say with what's called a build tag, you can say the platforms that you've tested this on, right? And if you haven't tested it on ZOS, it won't build on ZOS until you ask it to by putting in a build tag. And there's a couple of other things you have to worry about. Uh, so there is a certain... Got a minor level of porting, which is to say, to you know, if if, if and by the way, not all, all packages do this. Many of them don't have any build tags, and so they just work out of the box. And I mentioned the RESTful server. When I used RESTful server, I got it from uh, a popular website, and it worked right out of the box. But occasionally, you hit these uh, issues with porting. So we have uh, you know a complete set of documentation on on how to uh, put in build tags and, and do this. Uh, minor, minor porting activity so that it works on ZOS. And any other platform that was, you know, brand new platform to go would have that same issue. In the fullness of time, you know, that will that will become less of an issue as, you know, we are going to be participating in the open source uh, upstreaming activity in the fullness of time. So in, in this picture, do you, when I do this build, of of my go and and it's got all these these other packages because you know lord knows that i'm uh i'm not the programmer i once was and should rely on somebody else's code as often as i can um does it build one kind of big honking executable with all this stuff together or is it called out you know the way you'd call out to a dll in in um in c there, are they separate kind of pieces that are logically tied together, or is it just one big honk and executable? Well, I guess you could call it one big honk and executable. That's actually an advantage. So um, Go is the lingua franca of uh, the cloud. So most of the cloud infrastructure uh, code is written in Go. 
And it was originally chosen, uh, this is some years ago the decision was made, but it was originally chosen by developers. One big reason, besides being easy to program in and having a lot of cool features like garbage collection, et cetera, one of the big reasons was that Go gets you out of the dependency hell that often you get into in a language like C where, or more other uh, traditional languages where you know, I've built something, it needs a certain DLL at a certain version level, and that's not available on somebody's platform. You can't just give an executable to them and expect it to, to run, right? Besides having the right platform, uh, you know, if you need certain versions of DLLs, et cetera, there may be a big list of dependencies that that, you, that have to be, uh, you know, sought after and, uh, and you may be involving the sysadmin and et cetera, et cetera. Whereas Go, the default mode, and you can have other modes, but the default mode is just statically linked, so all of your dependencies are there in the executable. So if I, as long as I'm on the same architecture, so if I'm on ZOS, you know, I'm going to build it in ZOS, I'm going to run it in ZOS, and you know, similarly for Linux and, and all the others, if if I build it on the, the the right platform, it should run on everyone who has that platform without worrying about dependencies. Yeah, Go is a very big cloud infrastructure player, right? Like the biggest cloud technologies uh, use Go today, like OpenShift and Docker and Kubernetes. These infrastructure are there, they need highly scalable, highly performant underlying code to support, and they're all written in Go. So that, that's, that's you know, one reassurance for anybody who want to try it because it's really uh, a language that is there to perform. It compiles native, natively against the operating system for, for the best performance that you can get. It doesn't go through another layer. It's not a JIT, right? It's not an interpreter. Um, and, and some of the biggest companies in the world uh, do use Go today. And in fact, uh, internal team like you know IBM, we are we uh, we are about um, we have a statement of direction about COS native containers uh, that is based on open um, open container initiatives that are also uh, that have uh, dependencies on on the Go language. We we, we you know, our internal teams are using that, using the Go language to build out those um, Go dependencies uh, and, and enabling this COS native container technology on our platform. So anyway, we, we are definitely drinking our own champagne as well here. You're saying that they're actually building um, from, a, from a system perspective, they're actually using Go to, to create content, to create um, executables that people will be using. So... It's it's not like um, it's not like we're simulating stuff. We're actually building actual um, modules in the system using Go. Correct. Yeah, Bill, you want to build on that one? I think it's big. It's, it's just the biggest porting efforts, right? These technologies exist on distributed platforms, and now you know we're bringing it over on COS. So, oh, uh, that's right. So, um, you know. As I said, the, the Go is perfect for this kind of application, cloud computing. And that's why it was chosen originally. Uh, and as we bring ZOS forward to, to support uh, native containers and open container initiative, Go is the obvious thing that they need as, as a prerequisite. It's, it is really a prerequisite uh, for that work. And as well for anyone else who wants to have a modern open language, with ready a ready a large set of programmers who'd be willing and able and, and excited to to use it on an uh, uh, operating system like ZOS, 
um, to come forward. And uh, to run it natively means that you know, you're co-located with your data. As an example, we have uh, recently published a library whereby you can access directly from Go, you can access your data sets, including vSAN data sets. Uh, with uh, record IO. Uh, so as an example of a native ZOS type thing that you can do with Go, you can uh, manipulate data sets. And actually we do have a demo um, of a uh, RESTful server uh, written in Go, which is actually actually accessing a vSAN database to, to serve up the data co-located with it. So that's an example of what you can do in terms of uh, enterprise modernization with Go. And that was, as I say, no more than a few lines of code to make that happen. That that's pretty cool, dude. When you talk about that, what about um, can can I access the console or can I, uh, you know, can I do some of the lower level, uh, dare I say, MVS ish kind of things from there? So so you know we're moving in that direction. Um, our initial uh, focus has been on uh, Unix system services. Uh, but as we mature on the platform, we're going to bring more of that stuff in. So I'm not. This is not a, a declaration of what's going to be available in the future, but we're definitely moving in the direction that we want to make it fully integrated on ZOS. So it's native ZOS as well as being open source, and uh, you know, um, consistent with what go you know all the goes on all the other platforms. Yeah. I think related to this, we should probably touch on uh, the a neat feature called Seagull. Uh, which allows Go programs to call out to C, and then that really opens up sort of an, a world of opportunities and scenarios that our users uh, can try uh, interoperating with other languages, right? Um, and, and whether it's uh, uh, Cobol, whether it's uh, PL1, other traditional languages that you you want you want to hire, you know. Uh, uh, from this biggest big, bigger talent pool, right? Um, we all know how hard it is to get actually skilled people for traditional languages, but it's easier for these um, open source based languages at, like Go, and then you can you know extend your programs, uh, not not replacing them, but extend them like uh, like modernizing your application, right? And uh, you can use Go, like right? you can you can build APIs around around it, um, and uh, and we have some demos that uh, talk about this as well. Uh, and uh, we have some examples about using COS Connect, uh, some Go examples within COS Connect that you can use um, and uh, building RESTful APIs um, and, so, and other services. Uh, uh, and, and it's basically exposing your, uh, I mean, uh, your existing services that you can interoperate between the languages and that you have more skills for. Um, and then, and then Seagull is really neat that way because it allows you to uh, do a lot more things. Does that mean I'll have Go Go modules or, or Go connections into Kix and IMS and, and, and those kinds of things as well? The statement of direction. <laughs> we're, working, <laughs> we're working in that direction. <laughs> yeah, we, we, that is another use case that has been uh, voiced by our sponsor users. So let's be able to call into other middleware too. So we are slowly building our examples um, and uh, some are published, some are not, some are in progress, but definitely working with other uh, middleware programs like what you mentioned, Frank, uh, Kix IMS uh, or WebSphere, right? Those will be something that we look into. And, and today I run this primarily within the, uh, like a USS shell environment, right? Yes, primarily that's how you do it. 
Yeah, I can't run it from from TSL or anything like that. Not at this time. That kind of sounds like maybe sometime in the future we'll make it work. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have some experiments going, uh, you know, so they're just skunk works at this time. But yeah, that kind of thing. So, so do you see this as something that, you know, in the future people will be using using Go uh, the way – uh, the way we've we've been using, say, COBOL in the in the past, you see it kind of taking over uh, because of the fact that it is ubiquitous. Well, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, currently we're, we're I think we're seeing the trend uh, in 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 the modernization um, uh, uh, aspect, not not necessarily uh totally ripping out existing applications and replacing them with a Go app, for example, or a Python app or no Node.js app, but really extending your existing applications rather by exposing APIs where then you can write other, you know, open source based code to interact with them. Um uh, versus uh total replacement. Because there's a lot of risk, right? There's a lot of risk and there's a lot of costs to do the the, the replacing. So uh, I think app, application modernization is where we're seeing the trend is heading. And, and that's not only for Go, but there's a lot of other um, uh, open source based languages that we provide uh, as from the compilers team um, that we are seeing users to, they're, they're building APIs, they're, they're, um, they're doing interoperability with, uh, with other middleware um, and uh, and, and just doing that versus um, rewrite because uh, there's just too much risk and um, it's not necessarily gonna, I mean, I, th I think we've heard some customers saying that uh, they have tried the rewriting and it didn't work, right? And uh, this is this is the way we, we, we wanna recommend our users. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I certainly see um, clients who have, have tried to take their existing uh, COBOL apps and modernize them to something like Java and then realize that, you know, that that's a really expensive uh, thing to do and, and, and not only expensive, but, uh, but like you say, uh, when you, when you write code, you introduce uh, new bugs, um, you know, no matter how good you are, uh, you, the, the opportunity for introducing new errors exists, right? So, yeah. So it's really yeah. kind of important. So yeah, I just I just want to say that one one more um, one more example that uh, I've recently encountered um, from working with customers is that this 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 one customer is very very successful in their modernization journey, um, and it happens over several years. It, it takes time uh, because there are so many different applications, right? And um, and uh, they have been reaping the rewards, right? They 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 calling this process called evolution, versus revolution, uh, right. and I'm quoting them. And it's not to rip out everything and to put in something completely different, and to invest in creating APIs to existing services, uh, and and using open source based languages, including Java, um, uh, for and and Go for obviously that's another choice for our users now, yeah, for newer workloads and stuff. Um, they're really finding it uh, valuable. So um, a few episodes ago, we had uh, uh, Chad McIntyre on, and he was talking about the, the work that, that he's been doing on Python. 
So um, in the interest of causing some kind of trouble, um, how much better... <laughs> How much better is Go than Python on Z? Oh, I would never say that. I actually, <laughs> <laughs> I love Python, but it's just a different use case. I mean, Go is uh, full, fully compiled language and optimized, so it it has different performance characteristics than Python in that sense, right? So it's, um, um, you know, it has garbage collection. It's designed in a way so that it kind of has a little bit of the look and feel of a scripting language. For example, you don't have to always pre-declare your variables. It's not object-oriented, it's object-based, so you don't have to define all of these class structures before you begin. You can develop the, the object nature of your, your application as you, move, as you move through development without necessarily having a lot of pre-planning. So it has a lot of the aspects that Python also brings to, to the table. I'd say the, the main differentiator is that it's a true compiled language, uh, and therefore it's suitable for systems programming. And effectively, this cloud infrastructure is like one giant systems program. And uh, you know, so it's going to run efficiently, even in the presence of garbage collection, the garbage collection is extremely fast, concurrent garbage collector. Uh, and so it's not, you know, the traditional stop the world kind of garbage collector where, where you, you know, you might miss an interrupt or something if, if it happened at the wrong time. It's uh, fully concurrent garbage collection. It um, um, also allows you to avoid all of the, you know, issues with dependencies, et cetera, that you get in, in the traditional languages. So it's kind of a, a, a hybrid or a best of both worlds of the interpreted languages or scripting languages and the compiled traditional languages. So uh, uh, let's pretend for a second uh, that uh, you've gotten f from the company uh, a, a huge bucket of money. Um, and, and basically they said, uh, hey, guys, Go do whatever you want to do with with Go. Um, where would you like to take, you know, the work that you've been doing in the future? So, you know, we want to have uh, a compiler that is, um, first of all, you know, popular. Um, and by popular, it means... You know, it would be great if it were the case that when I when I go to talk to, like for example, often you know during an interview when I'm talking, you know, interviewing uh, a younger person for for uh, a job at IBM, and I say, you know, we do Go, and that's great. You know, they love Go, right? Right. <laughs> and then I say on ZOS, and they say, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, I see this as as a way to make ZOS, you know, effectively. Um, out there with everyone else, you know, it's basically one of the the languages. You go to the, you know, when you when you download Go, you go to the Go download site. It, uh, it's it's sponsored by Google, and there's you know there's all the 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 uh, architectures and operating systems listed, and we we expect ZOS will be there. I mean that that's the direction we're going in. You know, I'll say that um, we, you know we haven't gotten there yet, but we're definitely trying to be transparent as we and and work with. Uh, the community as we, as we move towards getting our, our stuff out there. So, and the other thing would be, you know, um, once it's seen as, as 
the ZOS is out there just with everything else that people will think, well, you know, why don't I try that out? And I know that there's a, you know, not sponsored by us, but there, you know, I see um, that it's becoming possible to, to get uh, a ZOS uh, instance, right? So if you can try it out, um, just as you have been able to get one for Linux on Z for, for a number of years, you can get, you can get yourself a trial server and you can try it out. And if you have a, a, a language that you already know and love and it just works, right? Um, why wouldn't you try that platform? So I like to think that, you know, and I'm sure that there's a story to be said for Python and Node.js that more or less is along the same line. But I happen to know the story for Go is that Go should be the one of the vehicles by which, you know, ZOS becomes um, part of the community. And, no, and, and yeah, go ahead. No, no, finish your thought and I have a couple points to add. <laughs> I think uh, now we have unlimited money, right? right? (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, James. Yeah, I think um, we really want to highlight uh, Go on the platform, Uh, especially on um, on on hardware hardware exploitation side, right? I don't think we have invested enough time. Not not that. We have um, a lot of ex- extra cycles, but uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I'm also a product manager for Java, and Java invests tremendously, uh, a lot on on performance on the platform. Make sure Java runs uh, as well as and better in mo- in some cases um, uh, on the platform against the distributor side. Um, so that's that's where I think Go being a true compiler, right, is not a layer above. And you can actually compile code against ZOS, um, where I think there's a lot of opportunities here for us to to improve and to showcase how powerful Go Go is if we can uh, exploit the under underlying hardware. Not not to say that it performs poorly now; it performs pretty well. But it's I think there's um, opportunities here to really highlight um, uh, Go on on the platform. And and the other part is. Uh, you know, if we have more resources, we definitely want to uh, enable Go on Linux uh, running on Z, right? So that side, there is a port that exists, uh, but it's been sort of, I would say, uh, is it there? They can it can use more attention, and our team uh, mission right now is on is Go on COS, but we definitely want to uh, pay more attention that side because there are a lot of commonalities, right? Like as Bill mentioned about all this Linux. Linux-based stuff that we want to do um, is very equivalent, um, uh, that applicable on both ends, and we want to make sure that uh, the Go also runs very well on Linux on C. Um, that's right now is maintained by our ecosystem team. Um, yes. So, yeah. so, so I heard Bill say, uh, I, "I want to make sure that we become um, a vibrant part of the community." And James said, I want new instructions to support it. <laughs> that's, that's what I heard. <laughs> well, actually, um, just to expand a little bit of what James said. So in a previous lifetime, I worked on the, the Linux on Z port for Go. And we put a lot of effort into performance at that time, and in particular, the crypto stuff. So um, anything involving cryptography on Z can run uh extremely fast because of that's one of the places that Z really shines. And uh, so we want to do more of that and carry on uh, with that tradition in Go on Z as 
whether it's ZOS or Linux on Z. So that's certainly one area that we would try and focus on, as well as becoming, you know, doing all the things we need to do to become completely native on ZOS, do all the things you mentioned, you know, um, that if, if I really do want to, you know, write a real native ZOS application, MVS application uh, using Go, that you know we'll have the facilities available we're not quite there yet you know it's mainly uss but that's another direction we like to go in as well awesome awesome well we're we're a little bit beyond the bottom of the hour here and uh i want to take this opportunity to thank you guys um for for letting us know how far you've already gone and and where you really like to take this so thank well, you thank you thank you well, thank you so much thank you thank right. old man charlie run us out You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at terminaltalk.net. That's contact at terminaltalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off.